Hello and welcome back to We Heart Hartnett, the podcast dedicated to exploring the filmography of the actor Josh Hartnett, movie by movie. I'm Patrick Willems. And I'm Jacob Torpy. And I'm Matthew Torpy. Hmm. It's funny how your middle names have been said on this podcast so much. Like, uh-huh. like our list. How many of our listeners know you guys more as Jacob Robinson Torpy and Matthew Russell Torpy? We we sporadically I go don't into know. it. We I don't we don't say it consistently. Yeah. With each you, episode. You say it pretty... Well, it's usually because... we always like every other episode, maybe I decide to just right. add it. <laughs> well, because it sounds good. You, you always go, Jacob Robinson, Robinson Torpy. Yeah, you yeah. roll, you, you wind up with the middle uh-huh. R. And Matt kind of then feels obliged to continue with his. Yes. Robinson is better for winding up, though. Russell's just kind of like... Yeah. Matthew Russell. 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 Yeah. Kurt Russell's cool. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, like a gruff Russell Crowe. All the cool guys, tough... Uh, actors are Russells. Exactly. Russell Brand. <laughs> you immediately disrupt you there. The toughest of all men. Yeah. We should call you uh, Matt Russ. Matt Russ. Yeah. Matt Russ Torp. Well, Mr. T. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, the T. One that I'm trying to still get. the best. Yeah. Which is also funny. And then our littler brother, Ben, his name is Benjamin Joseph Torpy, which is BJT. Yeah. AKA the blowjob Torpy. Yeah. <laughs> He's just sort of, and he would love it that we're starting to spread that. Yeah, now. and he crawls around on his knees and 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 just sort of purses his lips and looks for stray dicks like a suckling pig. There you go. Does Ben listen to this podcast? I don't no. think so. Ben doesn't listen to anything, as far as I'm aware. He's ben pretty can't hear. Can't be true. He's pretty detached though from any social media, at least social. He's media. not on social media, but he is online. Yeah, but he's like a Reddit lurker. <laughs> That's like the perfect he, way to he knows him. like a lot of weird esoterica from the yeah. depths. Yeah, Ben's pretty online. Yeah, he's pretty online. He's incognito, That's... which is like probably the best way to be. Yeah, you exactly. Know? I don't know why. Again, I'll say it again. I don't know why I need uh, a little digital thumbs up to give me that barest of, of a satisfied feeling that it I feels chase. So good though. <laughs> yeah, it fills my soul. You know what I realized today? Also, <laughs> to totally reverse. Yeah, like. You know, every now and again, you know, I, for the most part, I'm like New York City, the greatest city in the world, the greatest the big apple. damn city in the world. We're all taking bites out of it. Um, I, d- I don't think that I, I, I don't think it changes me. But then I, but today is one of those many days of the week where I'm like, I'm a wor- I am just a worse person. What happened today, man? From living in New York City, just my commuting, yeah, is so that can be tough. Dispassionate. And misanthropic in my brain. <laughs> I just I I fantasize about punching people in the back of the head all the time. I Robocop sort of like scan crowds and judge people <laughs> on how fast they're moving based on the severity of their disability or injury. Oh, no. And uh, or like how old they are and stuff like that, and like yeah. deem them worthy or not of my pity. Oh my god. And uh, I don't know what to do about it, but it's real. Well Yeah, well that's everybody though, on the subway, in their own version. Well, it's this battle between good and evil, essentially. Not me, because I don't have a daily commute, so I'm just, uh, I feel really nice about everybody. I look around with, like, a, a, a rose-colored glasses RoboCop scan, thinking, <laughs> like, who will be my new friend? Yeah. <laughs> Every stranger is a friend I haven't met yet is Pat's whole, he lives by that. <laughs> exactly. Which yeah. is wild, because he gets to just sort of... The subway uh, is just part of his daily transportation. It's not a required I encountered so many potential best friends just on the, my way here. Yeah. Are I you my friend? It. Are you my friend? <laughs> Because it, it helps to wake up at, you know, and just, like, get to just 
sit down and eat Cocoa Krispies or whatever the fuck. <laughs> that's that's what I eat. And uh, the best cereal. And and a crackling fresh bowl. Do your quote crisp, unquote Cocoa work, Krispies. which is like keep abreast of all the fun TV shows you wanted to watch anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I get up at the same time as you. No, I, I know, know you do. I'm and joking. we say this, and I'm also going to go home and not sleep. I know. Pat, no, Pat, Pat like you actually work more stressful next couple me. days than me or Matt. I'm shitty. I like to shit on friends, but that's just, we just bust, we're just Joshuaing each other, Joshua heartening each other. <laughs> yeah. So how often do you think Josh's friends uh, Josh him? Oh man. How many do you, how many times do you think they Josh him and say, just joshing you <laughs> and laugh at him? And then he, he throws his head back and, and chuckles and is like, you got me again. <laughs> yeah. His Minneapolis buddies. So this is a podcast about Josh Hartnett, as yes. you could tell from mm. our conversation so far. Mm. So guys, uh, Jake, you were way over the weekend. I, I was also way over the weekend. I was way over the weekend. I was visiting Rachel's uncle. How uh, Rachel is is Jake's my wife. wife. It's my wife. Yeah. It, wife. If you haven't, been, <laughs> it's legal. If you haven't it's listened legally lately, legally documented. Yeah. Jake. No Jake way spent out. a bunch of money and had a big party, and now there's a ring on his finger. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said before, they both they're horcruxes. I don't want to keep referencing Harry Potter. They're horcruxes. My ring. Yeah. But there is a piece of your soul in each other's. Yeah, so that's true. To destroy them, and then you you will dissipate in a burst of energy. Yeah, it's all based on a lot of actual like mistrust and uh, yeah. The exactly. Ca- Jake and got married in a in a quote unquote Catholic church, but there were Jesuits there, and they chanted a, around a big crystal. And uh, let's just say that church is built over something, a and that's something. a hell pit, hell circle, <laughs> hell mouth, exactly, a hell mouth, hell circle. Whatever. So uh, <laughs> you can infer what you want from that, Fuck, but um, anyway, but you and your wife <laughs> were wife. away this weekend. Yeah. We went to uh, visit her uncle, uh, who actually lives in the Hamptons, and it was fancy as fuck. It's exactly what you'd think it would be. I'd never been out there before. Neither have I. It's beautiful. Why don't we own homes in the Hamptons? I don't know, because it's definitely accessible for us. So guys, if, um, look, if you want to help us get a home in the Hamptons, just <laughs> the Patreon is patreon.com slash Patrick H. Willems. into the Hamptons. Yeah, get... Th- wait, should we just start... The boys in the Hamptons. And if we reach that monthly fee where we have enough to sustain all three of us living in the Hamptons continuously. In separate homes. Maybe we'll send you a hand-drawn comic. (laughs) Really late. Of Josh Hartnett. (laughs) That we did hastily when we remembered we had to. And while we were drunk, because we'll be drinking a lot of rosé. A lot of rosé. That canned rosé that I became a fan of. You guys will quit your jobs because you'll be Mm -hmm. out in the Hamptons full time. (laughs) And so we'll we'll get to podcast more, I guess. You know what it's going to be, though? It's going to be, it's just going to turn into the Beals of Grey Gardens where we're gonna just I'm gonna just be wearing like scarves made out of towels around my head like stitched together blankets and washcloths and stuff Dancing and I'm just like show tunes that aren't playing yeah and this French guy's filming me like so what do you do in your day to day and I'm like I'm friends with a raccoon <laughs> and then oh. I get my next e-wallet filled with Patreon bucks <laughs> So, so to buy more canned rosé and so, more headscarves. So, Jake, is that what your weekend was like? I actually saw the Grey Garden House. Really? Yeah. Oh, hell you yeah. Can, you, can, you can bike right around pretty easily Did out they there, keep so. it dilapidated or have they redone it? Oh, it's it? actually, it's in the process of getting renovated right now. So I was biking past it and uh, uh, Rachel's aunt pointed it out to me and she's like, oh, it's the Grey Garden's house. And it's just being built right up now. Those it looks like a skeleton of bad, house. right? Yes. Okay. Pretty sure. Wow. So do you think that house is going to be real expensive? Or does someone own it now? Or is it just... It's, it's hard to tell sale? which no way idea. its fame would take it as something undesirable or desirable. Guys, what if Josh desirable. Hartnett bought it? <gasps> Whoa. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. <laughs> and then renamed it Josh Gardens. <laughs> Josh Gardens. I'm uh, trying Hart Hardens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, these will get worse the more I do them. Yeah. And we're all just drinking water. 
Except Matt, he's drinking a Skyliner IPA. Hello and welcome to the Thinking Man's podcast, Joshua Hartnett, where we take, we get our jeweler's loops on and we, we take a look at the multifaceted beauty that is stuck between stations. Oh, See, yes. that's, that's the thing. The reason we are just spewing verbal shit from our mouths. And, hey. uh, and, uh, and I was talking about are, my weekend. We are radically, like, radically off topic is because there's not a lot to say about the movie that we're supposed to talk about today, so I am padding this episode out. Don't say that. Now With everything seems like filler. Pat, no. It, you got to hey, know us, so this is all just banter. Look, it's all content. All, all content is meaningless. Content it, candy. It, it, it all has the same value. Yeah. You know, high art is the same as low art. It's the same as uh, YouTube art. videos. It's the same as Yeah, I guess as, Dwight as McDonald was right, huh? Dwight McDonald. 1950s social critic. <laughs> okay. Came up with the idea of mass culture and mid-culture and low culture. See? Guys, Matt, this is a hybrid podcast. Matt's, yeah. Matt's and anyway, we're back. And uh, Patrick, a man who needs no introduction, but the name, it rolls around the mouth like a fine rye whiskey, and mm. I love saying it, and it's Patrick Willems, and he is here to lead you all on a journey of enlightenment through yeah. a film that no is, one has seen. No one, no it's one bad. has seen, and our listenership good. has dwindled to us. A meager few who give a shit about these late stage career movies of his. Mm. I will say it since we are clearly in the latter half of Josh Hartnett's career. Like that, but and um <laughs> the, yeah, the thing about that is no, most of our listeners will not have seen these movies. This mm-hmm. one is easy enough to access. I just I rented it on Amazon. Yep. But I also realize we have uh, been doing a bad job of saying what our next episodes are going to be. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And so I, I, I it's tougher to follow along, especially if anyone does want to follow along and watch these movies that no one has actually seen in the first place. I mean, it's yeah. not that hard. It really isn't. You look up the movies. Good luck, though. I mean, we already talked about this, but the mm-hmm. only movie we've had a hard time procuring is I Come With The Rain. So, But the rest right. of these movies, you know, they're indie productions. August, but you can kind usually, of. August was actually kind of hard, too. But you can usually rent them on YouTube. Why was or August so hard to find? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was talking with... <laughs> Uh, Rachel's aunt Dish. this weekend. Sorry, what? and she is she at one point in her career was basically Josh Hartnett from the movie August. Duh. It was crazy. I thought you were gonna say she was like Josh Hartnett's was manager or, or she knew no. Josh Hartnett. <laughs> oh, that'd be crazy. She just casually mentioned wait, that. Yeah. Wait, did David Bowie buy her out? Yes. So I she's would like, like the character. To no, she company. <laughs> It looks really cool and shit. Wow. <laughs> and by the way, uh, following up a previous point, oh. next week's episode oh, is, is on The Lovers, the which lovers. I believe... Yeah, hi, fam. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> I believe it might be on Netflix. The Lovers. Yeah. So, hey, if you're following along, Follow next on. week, we're talking The Lovers. Oh, yeah. Get on your Netflix account. You know you got one. Watch it. <laughs> You know you and if you that. don't, you have somebody else's. Yeah. That is yours, basically. Yeah, this is The Lovers, not to be confused with Gaspar Noé's Love, or the Netflix original series Love, or the James Gray film Two Lovers. Two Lovers. This is just The Lovers, nice. starring yep. Josh Hartnett, and his then-not-wife, but now-wife, Tamsin Egerton. But we'll mm. get to that next oh, week. Yeah. But we just want you to know what is going to happen so you can follow along at home. Yes. Okay. But and we're not talking about that. And we're not yeah. talking about that. Wait, we're talking about, wait. We're talking about Jake's wife's aunt, who was once 
kind of Josh Hartnett well, she, from a movie. She had she basically had um, a, a small point point in her career where she was the go between between dot com startup companies and financiers and helping startup companies go public. And wow. so she was the person who was the marketing guru for these companies that didn't know how to talk to the financiers. So she was the middleman, like how Josh Hartnett was playing in the movie for his brother, hey. Adam, Mr. Adam Scott. And did, is that how she got she, her uh, Hamptons house? Did she and get out of it on a, on a high? Yeah, she sold... Before the, the crash? Before the dot-com crash, yeah. But it was just funny because it, as she was telling me about this, it was actually really interesting to hear, but as she was talking to me, the thought popped and slowly faded into my brain. I was just like, you're like Josh Hartnett from the movie August. Did you say <laughs> that to I her? I didn't say it out loud because oh, it, would, it would have taken so long to explain yeah. what I was talking That's about. A long so, journey. It so you may not know weird. this about me, but in my spare time, I co-host a podcast. It's about an actor, Josh Hartnett. Do you know who Josh Hartnett is? No, let me explain who yeah. he is. And let me explain his career to you because he was once in this movie called August. August, which is <laughs> one of the least well-known movies that uh, he's in. So and this, is, this has been 15 minutes of explaining that your job was kind of like a guy in a movie once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you understand, see, it wasn't worth it. And they're all gone. Yeah. And you're divorced. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so I... Which will divorce me yeah. in the process. So you had a fun weekend out in the Hamptons, and we yeah, should all nice. there. it's nice. Uh, it's a hot take. It's nice out there, so... Wow. You know, it's fucking nice out. Ride a train. I hear good things. Yeah. Never been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Patreon, let's make that happen. I want to hang out with Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> and the Billy most, Joel. The most cheerfully nihilistic man on the planet. You ever look at a Pop-Tart and think of the void? (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Wow. So, it's been a fun time. Yeah, I I was up in our hometown. You were in Toga, yeah. Toga, for listeners, is uh, what people from Saratoga call it sometimes. So, if you're ever up there, make sure to call it that, and it'll seem like you're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Get off the bus and say, ooh, I'm in Toga town. And the locals won't smell the outlander-ish about you. Also, consider wearing a Greek toga. They love that. Actually, yes. With horses patterns all over. Uh Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, uh, my whole family was together for the first time, I think, since Christmas. My sister went up, past guest, Mary Willems, also Uh went up to Saratoga. And we all made jokes and played badminton, and it was delightful. <laughs> that sounds really nice. We're a very happy family. I'm a huge fan of badminton, yeah, too. Pat bragging about his family that he loves, and they uh. all are functioning together. And you, <laughs> while you're here with your part of your family who you don't love? It's so non-functional. Right. You don't oh, even know. God, you have no idea. It's all torpsessed. <laughs> oh, come no, on, man. sorry. And, I don't know why I brought stay, that joke back. And, uh, and staying over at Jake's apartment tonight because he's in town is your father. Oh, yeah. Oh, our dad's here. Patriarch Torpy is wait, here. He's yeah. Wait, whooping our ass. <laughs> <laughs> Giving us straight whoopings. Yeah. Should we get your dad on, on the pod? Should we be like, hey, come on no. over. Come on over. Be a guest. He doesn't watch movies. <laughs> so, be our wait. guest. Be our guest. Maybe we'll do. Tom, Honestly, it would make test. for a fascinating. <laughs> we would do some tall test. Honestly, it would make for a fascinating interview. Try the gray stuff. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and that's smegma. <laughs> what I can't help but think smegma. about now is, my mom told me that. A family friend really likes this podcast and listens to it regularly. And I just what's think, up? Okay. <laughs> How you doing? Hey, Carol. If, Carol. You're, <laughs> if you're listening, we hope you're enjoying this, and I apologize for them. I hope you find us funny because we've kind of I mean, been doing this, this far, the whole yeah. time. I mean, yeah, nothing has changed. Yeah. If it's like if if you don't, 
I, I assume if anyone has gotten here now, that won't alienate. We can complain like about us. characters having arcs, but I haven't had one. <laughs> you know? Why isn't life more like fiction? <laughs> but... So, yeah, anyway, uh, we talked about our weekends. Mm. Uh, Matt, I assume you just walked around our apartment naked. <laughs> that is <Not>. correct. <laughs> I'm not joking. I, uh, I, had a bad week- I had a bad weekend. I, had, I went to a th- thing, and then I was hungover, and I, stayed, I didn't leave the house for two days, and I was drunk each day, and I was nude, and I played the last card. <laughs> <laughs> That was Brad, everything I, I, I hoped uh, it would be. Well, you, yeah. I hope you at least beat The Last Guardian. I did. Yeah. Nice. Way to go. Anyway, Thanks, we, this is a podcast about Josh Hartnett. Oh, I also, and, yeah, and then this movie we watched. Oh, yeah, we watched this movie last night, Stuck Between so, Stations. So uh, this is a movie. It's a 2011 romantic Inarguably, drama. Yeah. Uh, it <laughs> is directed by Brady Kiernan from a script by Nat Bennett and Sam Rosen. Sam Rosen, also one of the stars of the movie. Oh, yeah. Josh Hartnett, um, on the poster... Featured uh, heavily on the poster. Uh, his head m- makes up a third of the poster. <laughs> he is fourth build in the movie. He is in two scenes. Two, yep. two brief scenes First in a brief movie. With the movie is how little Josh Hartnett there was. They yes. knew okay. that his face was selling I the mean, movie. I mean, the movie takes place in Minneapolis. It seems to me as though... It was a little indie production, some local filmmaker or whatever. Oh, no, 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 no. No? I did research. Okay, Pat, yeah. And like, Have you met us. me? <laughs> yes. I, like, <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I... You well, at, at first, when I was taking notes, I was like, was this a thing where Josh was just, like, home visiting his it hometown? Like and then with the, And then there was a movie shoot happening, and he was like, hey, I'll help out for a couple days. Here's actually what happened. That was because my theory. Matt in, made a joke. Can I say, just from what you were saying? Go. Matt made a joke that made me laugh, which is just they were filming and ended up filming it at a location that Josh Hartnett just happened to be at, and then they just held him there. And then they were like, you are now an anarchist punk. He was just probably biking with his friends. Anyways. And then but they that's got not true. Scene. It's not true. It's a lie. So what happened... Kind of a joke, but it's sort of more like a humorous Well, I found an interview Josh did in 2011 with uh-huh. Entertainment Weekly, old EW.com. Ew. And their, their first question is, how did you become involved with Stuck Between Stations? And here is his response, and I quote. In your best Josh Hartnett voice, please. He doesn't have a distinctive it's, voice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Do it. Two of my best friends. No, Sam it's Ro- just your voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, sometimes he does his, he'll do his kind of like, his kind of like whisper, like, like you know, quieter voices. Yeah, closer. enunciates very, very well. Oh, yeah. Just make I'm your Josh. voice kind of. Raspy and sexy. I'm Josh. Oh, fuck. No, but none of us sound like him. (laughs) I'm Josh. Anyway, Josh says, two of my best friends, Sam Rosen and Nat Bennett, wrote it. Oh. I can't even tell you how quickly they put it together, but it seemed like one... I can. It seemed like one day they'd planned to write the script together, and literally in a month, they told me they'd written a part for me and asked me to do it. I said, absolutely. My part is kind of inspired by a friend of ours, also named Patty. Josh plays a character named Patty in this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, who we knew from back in Minnesota and Brooklyn. I came in and did the role in two days. So that was it. His, like, high school buddies, I think, wrote a script, and then he did him a favor. It's kind of like um, what this reminds me of, even though they are not the similar movies. I uh, remember last year when Michael Shannon was in that Bigfoot movie, the, like, no. Christmas, Christmas yep. comedy about Bigfoot. Yeah. 
Is that like one of Michael Shannon's best friends wrote that or directed it? Yes. Um, sorry, I will. I, I, I'm blanking on the name. It's funny thinking of Michael Shannon having a best friend. <laughs> yeah, and not a, a it seems a, not like a would... series of of frightened lackeys that he goes. You give me what I uh, I can't do. Can anyone do Michael Shannon? Uh oh, god damn. That's I get that get that. Uh, he's yelling always. Uh, that creature is a creature. I kill him. <laughs> you're, you're getting and there. And that was uh, the Shape of Water. <laughs> that was the Academy Award nominated performance of the Shape of Water. That thing over there. That thing over there. Is you think it, that's created in God's image? Oh, that's not bad, Jake. Not, yeah. Oh, you're losing. You, made, see, you complimented me too, Yeah, the praising. I can't praise you. I always, you, I always lead by criticism. The, only, the lines I just always think of are like him shouting. Amazon. Like, I will find him. Yeah, I will find him. Oh. Your fingers stink. Fuck you, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie is called Pottersville. Okay. Uh, it is. <laughs> okay, so this is a podcast about Michael Shannon. Um, we're talking about Pottersville. The synopsis is Maynard is a beloved local businessman who was mistaken for the legendary Bigfoot during an inebriated romp through town in a makeshift gorilla costume. Honestly, the, Michael w- Shannon didn't need the gorilla costume. The, <laughs> sighting, yeah. like the sighting set off an international Bigfoot media spectacle and a windfall of tourism dollars for a simple American town hit by hard times. Uh, it is apparently not a good movie, although it has... A bunch of other notable actors in it, but didn't, uh, didn't Bobcat Goldthwaite do a Bigfoot like pseudo documentary? It was called yes. Willow Creek. Yep. Yeah, is great. that any good? Yeah, check that out if you if you want Bigfoot content. There, there you go. <laughs> I, everyone's into that Bigfoot content, <laughs> but Bigfoot, what, na, na, na. Uh, Bigfoot the, stomp. Uh, but I basically, I, oh. that was good okay. though. I, I I liked what you were doing. It was a Smith say, song. Can someone guys, say something nice to me? <laughs> You're really handsome. Matt, put a shirt on. <laughs> I'm not wearing a shirt. <laughs> You're not helping your case. I'm not wearing a shirt. I'm the only one drinking. And this is your fifth banana today. <laughs> you ate so many bananas. I heard potassium made your bo- your bones hurt less. <laughs> He's having an ice and a banana again. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm having a tough time. So what I'm trying to say here is just that I read an interview with Michael Shannon. I believe it was on Screen Crush. But they were okay. just like, so uh, Pottersville, that Bigfoot movie, <laughs> how'd that happen? So it's like, you're in a bunch of like Oscar contenders, and then there's this. And he was like, one of my like oldest friends wrote it and, uh, and had the opportunity to make it, and I wanted to help him out. And if I like agreed to be in it, it would help him get it made, and I was just doing a favor to a friend, and I was happy to be a part of it. I mean, that's solid. That's and what you got to do. You this know? may right. come as a surprise, but I got a friend. He's my best friend. <laughs> it's not, it was pretty good. And, uh, I'm going to give that the uh, thumbs up. I would listen yeah. to like a Michael Shannon podcast. I swear to God, he's my best friend. Wait, guys, remember You're what? getting it. Remember when Michael Shannon was with <laughs> co-starred with Josh in Pearl Harbor? Yeah. Oh man, he was great. There we in go. Pearl There's Harbor. the connective that tissue. That was good. Nice. That was good. We've talked about that in the episode. He was such a highlight. Oh my god. Me. He's like making surfboards. I had a girlfriend once. That was like the <laughs> no, best I believe line. His line in the movie. Is, is I got a girlfriend. Yeah. Eight second pregnant pause. Yeah. It's so good that scene. Yeah. I, like, I think we did decide that the movie w- would be better if it were just about like Tom Sizemore, and Tom him. Sizemore, and uh, Josh gets uh, like restationed to Pearl Harbor and just ends up hanging out with Tom, Tom Sizemore and Michael Shannon, who are just surfers. Yeah, in the in the army. It would be cool if he could end then end up like his character in Stuck Between Stations. 
I mean, the movie's uh, okay. Yeah. Here's my big take: the movie sucks shit. I was not. <laughs> I was not in. I would probably be more charitable to it, but last night I really wasn't in the mood for something like this, yeah. and I, I really hated it. Wow, it's not this. I, I did not. I, I didn't like it, but I did not feel anywhere near that strongly. I don't. I know. I understand that. Like, it's very contextual my hatred, but I was like writhing because I was both bored and angry. It's not <laughs> as um, it's not as manifestly evil as Town and Country. Nothing, no, or here nothing, on Earth. nothing has touched the actual moral the, bankruptcy of those two films. It's a tiny little indie movie. It, yeah, it, it would like take a lot to uh, just. Because Town and Country, you know, I feel like part of its moral bankruptcy is that it costs so much. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, everything true. about the it, the production evil. around it, makes it evil. Even well, here, it, I think it's because because we watched um, Girl Walks into a Bar, yeah, before this, and that movie, everyone's talking fast, and it's not about anything. This movie, imagine if there were less skilled actors talking slowly about nothing, <laughs> so, and that's sort of like where the, it's downshifted. To the what ones with the high octane fuel of a girl walks into a bar has now downshifted to an even more local, slow paced, boring, and meaningless story. Yeah, that also has immense pretensions of social commentary. Can I immense read? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, can I just to because our listeners have not watched this movie. Let's talk I think that's about a the safe synops. bet. Uh, let me just uh, on Wikipedia. They don't even have a. A full plot synopsis. They just have a one-paragraph little plot summary here. It says, A decade after they graduated from high school and went their separate ways, Casper, played by Sam Rosen, co-writer of the movie, a soldier haunted by the horrors of war, Haunted. and Rebecca, played by Zoe Lister-Jones, a whip-smart... Why did they write whip-smart? I call her Zoe Listerine-Jones. Because she's so fresh? Clever. Uh, a a whip-smart graduate student with a shaky future <laughs> reunite yeah. by chance and get to know each other over the course of an accidental tour of the little-known underbelly of Minneapolis. Th this doesn't seem like the underbelly of Minneapolis. No. Uh, the evening's odyssey includes a bar fight, a house party, a punk rock circus, a spontaneous burglary, a Whoa. home Casper did not know he had, and a cast of strange characters, unexpected allies... And disappointing friends. Wow. Boy, this sounds so much more hijinksy and sillier than it really I is. I mean, well, that sounds like it was just what was on, like, the back of the DVD case. Yeah. This sounds like it was After Hours, the Martin Scorsese movie, but it's It sounds like not. that, but really, I feel like the movie is just trying to be Before Sunrise. Yup. Yup. Thank is, you. I just kept thinking how much I wanted to watch Before Sunrise while yeah. I was watching this. I was like, that movie... For, for another movie about two people aimlessly wandering around and having a lot of conversations that veer towards being kind of pretentious, mm -hmm. I like the characters, and it's romantic, and I love the ending when they finally have that moment on the train, right as they, they part ways. It's, it's, yeah. like, it's like the guys who... I don't know how you could do it so the same and wrong. What I kept thinking about is, because I haven't watched Before Sunrise in a while, right? and... It's probably the the one of those of that trilogy I've seen least recently, mm -hmm. and I was watching this thinking like, "What is this not doing that Before Sunrise did? Like, why did that work and this doesn't work?" Likable characters, good realistic dialogue, far more interesting setting, way more honed in on the two people. Yep, the minor the the, the minor run-ins with other locals. More believable. Mm -hmm. 
that's pretty much it. More visually interesting. I will a more say, skilled like, and adept director. Th- yeah. There's, there's, this is still one of those movies that I'm going to, again, quote past guest Michael Curran uh, with what he said about, up, about Blow Dry, which is that I think the bones are there. I think with this general premise, it could well, totally work. And, he, I, and there is something that, like, the whole... Um, and maybe this is just because I, I'm someone who still sees a lot of people from high school and right. goes back to my hometown a lot. Just the idea of, like, the 10-year the gap between, like, high school and, and adult time and stuff like that and, you know, returning to your town and, like, running into people from that you had known years ago. That is always just inherently a little bit interesting to me. Yeah. I think there's a lot of story potential it's there. It's also inherently relatable. Right. And the movie doesn't do a lot with it, but I think, but using well, that's the problem, right? But I, again, it's a thing where I'm just like, I think this could work. Yeah, you're right. This, <clears throat> well, even when you were reading that, like, you know, pseudo list, like that pseudo description, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff is is totally fine material for a great movie. You know, like that's what's even more frustrating is that, like, if the bones are there and it falls on its face this hard, in my opinion. Then that's that's you really, it's it's like burning soup. You know what else it's the difference just like is? You fucked up an easy thing, man. We're talking about why before sunrise potentially worked and this one didn't, and we can talk about this a little bit more when we get to the end of the movie. But this movie veers in much much darker territory, unearned and that feels unearned and forced and weird. And before sunrise is still just a lovely date. The whole movie is just one lovely date. Like yeah, where very but I hated it before that turn. That turn just finally yes, was that's like true. Me was and Matt just were like already that final, it. just like lowering the coffin lid on it. It's you know? true. See, and we'll get to that thing that you're referring to. But I just thought I was just bored, and then that happened, and I was just like, "What? <laughs> yeah. What is this?" But I, but nothing about this movie like other than that one scene got a really strong reaction out of me, like, positively or negatively. I just, it, I didn't find it, I just found it, like, middling. I thought it was just a, a mediocre film yeah. with just that, that wasn't truly terrible and didn't have anything notably good. You know what else really, really irked me what? about the movie as well? And Matt, I'm sure you'd agree, is that I think this is a movie that prides itself at, in the naturalness of its dialogue and the banter between the characters and sort of like the loose, um, what it, whatever it is, mumble quarry nature of everything. But I don't think anything felt loose or unscripted or off the cuff or organic or natural. It's just like, I could still see the, written dialogue again yeah, right like, i mean these were clear like wh- and this know. time though they were trying for that not to be intentional unlike girl walks into a bar where it's clearly all script based but that's right. on purpose they do their like little hal hartley <laughs> this they thing. clearly didn't want you to think of that any of the writing or whatever but i still could see it well, that's, and it was yeah it was so annoying i mean you can you can shit on yeah. mumblecore as a genre for like you know it's content right. but yeah. like at, at the very least you have to be skilled in acting naturalistically right which is so much harder than than people attempting to make a film like that thinking it will be easy are able yeah. to achieve themselves. And, and these are clearly actors that are new to acting. Well, it feels like maybe not Zoe Lister no, Jones. No, Zoe Lister Jones I like. She's done a lot of stuff and yeah. she's been in stuff that I like. All, but the stuff I've seen her in is all like comedic. Like yeah. she had like a recurring role for years on New Girl where she's yeah, really yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah. Sam Rosen's the 
is the other yeah, guy. and he does he not have as annoyed the shit out have of as me. much of a career. That grinning motherfucker. Okay, Pat, did you notice this? That Sam Rosen, it seemed like grinned the entire movie. It seemed like he could. He yeah. had a really hard time not smiling. And it was, I'm sure it's just an issue with his face, <laughs> but that he just can't, has no control over. I just but, kept thinking of that scene in the end of Step Brothers where Rob Riggle's like, I'm going to drive this elbow into your temple. <laughs> I just don't like your face. I want to rearrange it. He's like, I w- don't want that. <laughs> like, that's just how I, like, the, how I felt the whole time looking at him. Yeah. Sam Rosen really uh, brought it down for me. And Josh, I, I, is that a friend of yours, Josh? With, uh, yeah. I'm friend. sorry, bud. Best but, friend. Yeah, it's your best friend. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> Damn, Josh, come on the podcast. Ignore, ignore what they're saying. We're, we're sorry. Maybe, yeah, maybe Sam's a great ass, guy. Just come on the podcast, though. <laughs> no, I mean, I liked Zoe Lister Jones. I think she's great. I've seen her in other stuff. She well, she tends do, to be in small indie productions. Her, um, uh, her the professor she had an Michael Imperioli. With, yeah, yeah he's in a lot of stuff. Like, yeah, obviously, great. great. You know. So um, the dialogue was to blame more so even than the actors, I would say. So, yeah. but uh, no, I'm but Sam Rosen co-wrote the screenplay, so so he's kind of at fault into into in every way possible. I mean, it's also yeah. like you, you look at the movie, and you know, I mean, the core creative people behind this, they haven't, and I, obviously, the film and TV industry is extremely difficult to succeed in, and yeah. and it is not all based on talent by right. any means, but. Looking at like the filmographies of like the director, it's yeah. the only movie he's made. He made like two episodes of a documentary TV show. Okay, and uh, this is his shot. You're saying, and Sam Rosen. This is the only he, he wrote. Wait, no, he it says he co-wrote um, another movie that he also co-directed called Trophy Husband. That I I think another little indie movie, but I uh, but he hasn't done a lot of notable stuff that uh, we've heard of. And so, I mean, I think it's it's not really surprising. It's like, this is not a movie where I feel like a lot of people saw it and were like, those guys, let's hire them for things. Well, I want to be sympathetic to people in that position, but right. I also want to uh, honestly speak my mind about what they made. Yeah. And it was well, bad. I mean, look, a lot of, like the, you know, we're talking about the four main actors that get uh, movie poster coverage, Josh Hartnett, Zoe Lister-Jones, Sam Rosen, and what was the name of the other actor from The Sopranos? Say again? He's not on the cover well, of the movie, is either he? either way, all I'm saying is that three of those four people moved on to continue to do better things. True. Three of those four people have legitimate had careers. careers behind them already. Yeah, exactly. And so Sam Rosen is the outlier uh, in that one. And yeah, I, you know, I mean, maybe he has good ideas in him. I don't know. It's just, yeah, his performance for me was sort of the weak point. Yeah, there, it, it just... And I don't know how much of his input was involved versus the other writer of this. I mean, it, it, it you know, it, writing plot, right, talking about plot holes recently and people arguing a lot about yeah. quality of writing, mm-hmm. like, this truly feels like that is the thing at issue here. Oh, yeah. Like, what people are saying and doing... <laughs> is not interesting. Should we talk a little bit about what people are saying and doing? Can we talk about how they met the two main characters? Because that's the first ridiculous scene in the movie. There's a really fun meet-cute. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, the the movie begins... uh, With them separate. Separate, yeah. Yeah, It it has them... Like, uh, it shows... Yeah, I mean, what it? Oh, Why are they doing the fucking split screen the whole time? Okay, I didn't mind that. No, 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 that annoyed me. All right. That That is one of the only, like... In terms of technical craft, 
that we'll get to the split screen. Okay, yeah. but but it begins <laughs> well, it begins like with it. these two people separately. Uh, this one guy he's like riding a bike. He's like go. He just seems kind of bummed out, like directionless. He like arrives back at a house. Casper he, is, is Casper, the character's name, played by Sam Rosen. He takes uh, a, a can of beer out, and and there's this shot where you see him picks up the can of beer and starts shaking it while walking, and then it cuts right. away. And I was like, why is he shaking up a beer? That's a bad idea. But then it cuts back, and then he just like puts up like a little like builds a little pyramid of beer cans, and he's shooting them with a, a BB gun. Yep. And so he's not doing a lot. And then it has her, and this is a part that seems in- she gets this voicemail. She's like yeah. a grad student. We get that sense. Yep. And she gets a voicemail from a woman, who it seems like initially it's about a job. But then starts insinuating that she has had an, an affair, an, an with, an her affair with her husband. Yeah, and also at I this is probably me being a dummy. So tell me if it is. <laughs> at first, when she got this voicemail, I did not even realize that the voicemail that was it Rebecca or right. or Becky, Becky. As, as she was known in high school um, that Rebecca receives. I didn't know it was from the wife of the guy she had an affair with. I didn't either. Well, I, I thought it was just like some, a, a person who uh, was going to hire her for this job who had been told something and then started insinuating a lot of stuff in a voicemail. And I was like, whoa, even if you just like heard a rumor or whatever, this is really intense for a voice to drop in a voicemail. So you didn't know it was like a personal uh, beef with this girl that, and that it was her husband no, that she was talking I, about. It was I, just like, I heard you were cheating on somebody. Right. Yeah, and I have evidence. Dirty adulteresses into yeah. our, into our uh, offices. Yeah, exactly. That's personal. what I thought as well. Okay. It took a second follow-up conversation with her and the guy on the phone for me to then put two and two together. Yes. Yeah, so like, she was oh. like, your wife is like leaving me voicemails. Yeah. yeah that wasn't clear Where's to me. But then, computer? but then basically they end up at the same bar and this is the part that I, w- I want to talk about. Yes. Because the bar that they end up at, it's First Avenue from Purple Rain. It is? Yes. First Avenue is like the club where that was like where Prince would perform in Minneapolis. Well, and it was the one where they filmed all the performances in Purple Rain. That's wow. awesome. Wow. That's kind of yeah. cool. And, here's, and here's I got two. And, I, and when they, I didn't recognize it, but when they said First Avenue, I was like, oh. <gasps> <laughs> if nothing else, this, I'm excited because this movie has a Purple Rain connection. Pat is very big wild. into Prince. Uh, hey, there's another Prince connection at, at a little later, too. There is? Yeah. One of the douchey friends of Zoe Lister-Jones gets really mad. They're trying to get to the next location. The next location is Paisley it's Park. Paisley Park, yeah. Oh, oh right, goes, yeah. Are you going to get in the car? We're going to go to fucking Paisley Park now. Are you getting in the car or not? Wait, no. I, but wait, I, oh. I, I, I wrote it down because it's, uh, it's my favorite line of the movie. Um, come on, Becky. We're going to Paisley Park. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh my lo- God, Becky. So these I, are the types of friends that she's hanging out with. Well, hold on. I just can I just say that yeah. the, the frustration too with this is that like I'm always pleased to see less filmed in cities and locations featured proudly by yeah. their inhabitants. You know, obviously starting it at Avenue One or whatever is like First Avenue. First Avenue. God fucking damn it, Matt. Uh, <laughs> You're spitting on the grave of Prince. <laughs> Shit. Uh, you know they're they're trying to like showcase the city. It then devolves into just moody split screen shots of oh like, yeah traffic. But um, actually that makes me like whatever itinerary Zoe Lister Jones and her friends had to begin with because it seems like then they were, going, like, they were doing like a Prince, Prince yeah. locale tour. 
of Minneapolis. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, whatever. I just it <laughs> bums me out. Like yeah. Again, I'm 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 rooting for the idea of this person, these directors, but not what they made. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Anyways, Sam Rosen is sitting at the bar because he is a aimless man with a malaise mm-hmm. uh, in his heart, and he is drinking whiskey. And he's sitting there, and so Zoe Lister-Jones is playing pool behind him, uh, and she has a friend who, it's unclear for a moment whether or not it's her boyfriend, Um, but anyways, he's just this aggressive, jacked-up dude. He's like picking her up with one arm. And he's hitting pool cues and and scoring shots, and I don't know billiard terms, and uh, she makes a shot, right? And he and she misses, and then he just like scoops her up and holds her up in the air. Yeah, but you're making it seem like this is strange. Like what was strange to me about the scene was that Casper is drinking. He looks back. He sees Becky Fine. He knows who she yeah. is. You find out later. Yeah. But like you know, at first it's just like boy and girl. Their eyes meet over the across the bar. Yeah. And and he's like, oh, he's like, he's like this person's attractive. Like I'm gonna down my shot and I'm gonna go over and talk to her. Yeah. And then he turns around. And that, like, sort of jock dude picks her up and is like, yeah, fuck yeah, like, made another shot, I'm beating you at pool. And she's like, put me down, you know? Yeah, and she's like, stop it. And then I, and then I thought Casper just turned around and was sad and is like, that's obviously her boyfriend. Yeah. I guess I, you know, I guess I can't go over there. But what he does instead is so much more insane and already a stupid, again, contrivance, to use a word that's been used today a lot. Uh, He just beats him up and then well, he, he, gets he his walks ass over and just says hey like why'd you pick that girl up right and then he just sucker punches the guy yeah on the assumption that he's like mildly assaulting her it seems really intense it's already it's so intense, intense and weird and and like and the thing is i i can see how this could work because as we learn uh casper he's he's home from the war in yeah. Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And so this is a guy, you know, he's dealing with like a war zone all the time. He's despite yeah. always saying that he's like totally fine and he's not messed up. Yeah. Um, that obviously like you, you know, it's not a stretch to imagine that will affect someone, people in some way. Right. They, might, they might be on yeah. edge. And then he's also home because his father died. And so if they did a, a bit of a better job, maybe establishing up at, at the beginning, you could see how we could kind of like snap or like suddenly like not think and just, like act on this yeah, and uh, right. then and like misinterpret it, but like it's, a, it's it's not played that way. You right, have like a thing, Manchester though. by the Sea scenario. Mm, I don't know what that is. I didn't see that movie. That, um, that, no, that an, unprompt, that an unprompted fight by like a miserable person. Right, Here's but, question, but where why uh, his psychology is clearly drawn and right. you understand yeah. why he's doing the things he's doing. Here's the thing though. That movie doesn't play the following scene as a meet cute where they play that off as charming <laughs> behavior. I'm assuming she right? is that is attracted correct. to a man. She literally punches goes her out. best friend or not best friend, but friend in the face. Oh, he's her best friend. As far as I'm aware, the well, movie maybe doesn't she, tell you. Otherwise. Maybe she really didn't want to go to Paisley park. And so she was happy well, that she, he got her out of it. Me and yeah. Jake were laughing because by the end of it, we were, we were just like thinking about Becky's social life and the, this scenario and she just is like 
She has the <laughs> yeah. worst. She has the dumbest worst friend. She just hates everyone she's with. Yeah, she literally has one of the roughest days of her life. She just gets called out on the phone by the wife of the man who she's sleeping with, and realizes that her potential academic career is now in turmoil. And she, that's when you call your friends, like your go-to friends, when you need to like share that stuff. She doesn't mention it at all to Not them. Not some and random instead, bros, you know. Yeah, they're douchey bros that like pick her up and toss her uh, around and get mad at her really easily. He's when a marine. Well, yeah, well, Semper Fi, bro. That is yeah. true. He does say Semper Fi, bro. But the whole point of that is that, like, oh, no, wait, wait. Sorry, the, about that scene. That the guy, the guy who scooped her up and got punched, and is a marine. Yeah, his name is Brent. <laughs> in real life, or in yeah, the movie? No, no, no. In the movie, his yeah. name is. They Brent. say his name. Is, she, she's like Brent, like multiple times. <laughs> and this is just a funny thing to me personally because for years in videos that we would make. If there was just an annoying or obnoxious character, I would just always name him... Someone unlikable, I would always name him Brent. I think Jake played Brent in one video. I did. I played Brent in a horror... And you died. ...video, yeah. You got, like, got I get stabbed my in the neck slit. or whatever. Yeah. We kill Brents. And, and so the fact Brents that I have here. always used Brents to be the, the name of an insufferable character, and and then this, this guy is named Brent made yeah. me... Like, again, it just <laughs> one thing Sam Rosen it doesn't mean right. the movie... Is good. That's yeah. not even like a good thing that the movie did. It just because of my weird connection to that name, it made me happy. Yeah. Just, Apologies to all Brents out there. I have nothing against you. I'm sure you're lovely people. Thank you for listening. But yeah. also, we do a little bit because the name just sort of makes us recoil. Yeah. We all have an association so with that name, and it's bad. Uh, Mike. But the thing is that, like, it's I think bad. the point of that, the, the yeah, the problem is that like. They they wait to reveal stuff. I feel like it's it's for you, you know what's supposed to be these sort of clever reasons where, as things emerge as the story goes on, you think about previous scenes, etc., mm-hmm. and go, oh wow! And then there's a new dimension added to that scene, and the the movie going experience is rich, and you're traveling back in time from before, and you're thinking about that in a <laughs> new way. And so like I think that's like the intention done poorly because like when the guy's like u.s marine corps bitch semper fi and then it's like well you know i guess it's supposed to show when casper reveals much later on in the movie that he also also did tours in iraq and is a marine that like it's supposed to establish you know because part of the flaccid morality and point of this movie is that we're all humans and everybody can be different. So like, mm-hmm. it's like you saw this Marine, this kind of stereotype of like a military yeah. guy. And now you learn, you see that you realize that this, uh, this, this guy who's so unlike a soldier. Yeah, it is. And yeah. it was oh, going yeah. bad. Soldiers take all shapes and sizes. Everyone is a profound and deep and everlasting. Yeah. Well, of not human all emotion troops, and nuance. Not all men. <laughs> it's yeah. just like one of these, like kind of like, all-encompassing dumb statements sort of that the movie's making. But you know what Casper could have done, and not to just sort of do a counterfactual, but the guy could have been like U.S. Marine Corps, and then Casper could have just been like, yeah, like, me too, bro. Me too, like, I, you know, blah, 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 company, like, whatever, I don't know yeah. the terms, but like, they could have immediately bonded because that's like a pretty serious thing to connect over. Yeah, and then he would have de-escalated the situation, which he psychotically seemed intent on maintaining the escalated guy. like level that it was at. Yeah, which is the dude comes out of the bar. He he. So he punches this guy, then gets his ass kicked by the dude and his friends. Then he gets kicked out of the bar and is just sitting there, sucking on a brewski and using it to swill all the rest of the blood out of his mouth. And he's talking on his cell on phone his cell with phone. his friend about how like Becky Fine from high school. Yeah, she's in, in the bar. bar. 
and he's grinning like an idiot. And uh, then uh, <laughs> Becky Fine comes out of the bar. And this is also the first part where, you know, it's not relatable anymore. I don't understand why this is starting to be a romance. <laughs> she comes out and like looks at this guy that she doesn't know. He recognized her, but she doesn't recognize him yet. A guy who's basically a stranger to her who punched her friend and got in a fight and kicked out and then just walks casually up to him like she's not going to get attacked. Like I would be, if I was in her shoes, I would be avoiding this guy at all costs and I would probably have peeked out of the bar Especially to make sure that he was Especially when you learn her gone. history. Yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so anyways... She walks out and she's like, what was that all about? That's crazy. That's crazy. You okay? <laughs> Are your fists strong or something? Yeah. That's cool. I don't know. How you doing? You look like you could use some help. And he's like, I don't need any help. What are you talking about? Yeah, also their rapport is bad the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. But then it comes out that he's like, I know you. And then they play this scene a little longer than he they should. Also, and he remembers, he just lists so many things about her Forty from facts. like elementary school through high school. Like I... To a creepy degree. Yeah, something yeah. a serial killer would do. Yet another red flag, if you didn't need... A red flag that should already have you on your feet before violence. But yeah. violence happened right. before this. So it's like, wait, you've been <laughs> watching me terrible. my whole life, and now you're coming in and attacking men who, who like make physical contact with me? Yep. Like, and then tell me 50 facts about myself. Right. So we'll see. The, the thing, that, the more we talk about this, the, th- the thing yeah. that I'm realizing is, again, I'm just thinking of like ways this movie could work. Yeah. And if you want to play this in a way where it is these two people who are like damaged in different ways, like right. him from war and his father dying, her, I mean... Her she, from a thing we'll talk about later. Yes, exactly. And also, which leads her to like, you know, have like, you know, fuck yeah. up her life by having an affair with like her... Uh, what it's like her Advi- academic advisor advisor like, so, yeah. she's in grad school the guy like yeah. with like she's doing her dissertation or whatever right yeah but she's trying to be a english department guy or, or right person. but these people mm-hmm. are are end up being drawn together i would not also try to do make that movie a charming before sunrise like one night kind of like yeah. romance yeah. i would like stretch it out over some more time because like these people are messed up in different ways, and they're gonna have their ups and downs. Yeah. And uh, when did Before more Sunrise than an come out? Or when did Before? Uh, yeah, when did that come out? Nineteen ninety. No, one. No, no, it wasn't that early. It was like I think mid nineties. Okay, so they they certainly. I mean, they were op- they were so obviously like enamored of that. Um, nineteen ninety five. You're right. Yeah, that that framing literally mid nineties. <laughs> I knew it. The twenty four hours. I thought I could beat Pat at his own game. God damn it. Never. You never, never. can. Once not again, dates. Have not you dates. met me? Yeah, Jake. <laughs> I know. I know. This is one of those things. Um, uh, sometimes the apprentice wants to become the master, though. You know. We will dethrone you one day. Yes. Uh, so anyway, it's just so obvious that they like. They they're clearly fans of that movie. Clearly, like Linklater fans. Uh. <laughs> Which, it, if you're watered down Linklater, boy, is what the people saying in that movie stupid. Because <laughs> like, Linklater barely gets a pass from me a lot of the time. Yeah. I, I like I, I like I, him a lot. But yeah. And, uh, he somehow just pulls off watered down off. on every movie and makes right. it profound. Well, I wouldn't say every movie because like, I don't like Waking Life. Uh, Waking Life does suck. Am yeah. I the only fan of Waking Life? When did you watch At it? At this table? I watched it a long time ago in high school. But um, I know the complaints about the movie, and I still, have in you my seen mind... Have since then? No. It's the last well, acceptable I mean, time as high school, maybe, to kind of get it. The thing is, because I... Here is my experience with, with Waking Life. I did not see it in high school. I watched it in a class in college on comics and animation. And, uh, and I watched it, yeah, I think maybe my sophomore year of college, and didn't like it. I just found it, like, in... Just really insufferable, okay. and uh, I liked the. I thought it looked nice, but 
was not into the movie it's, itself. But I remember the discussion about it the next day in class. And the thing that I heard that so many people raised their hands and said was, I loved this in high school. Watching it again now, I can't stand it. That's so interesting. It's yeah. almost, almost just, nobody in your class liked it, having seen it earlier in their lives. I mean, no, they, they, they did, but then, but then watching, watching it later, uh, they weren't into it. It's a springboard movie or whatever. Like, yeah. it's a gateway into something else, because, like, it's such a straight shot of his boring, flaccid, like, 101 Because they aren't characters. They're, no just, characters. they're just, like, mouthpieces for philosophy. But in his other talkie movies, yeah. they're characters. Yeah, exactly. And that... What's now so great relatable. about them? You're yeah. just—they're really like interesting, endearing characters that you're listening to talk and just interact for like 90 minutes, and that's why the before movies work really well. And this movie doesn't do that. Well, this but, movie, mm-hmm. yeah, because this movie—it's got not a lot going on. There's these set pieces that you listed—a party, a clown party, or a <laughs> circus, or whatever. They go to a lot of weird little events throughout like, Minneapolis. Over the and we also don't see movie. much of Minneapolis, despite us apparently going on a journey through the underbelly. Of yeah, it. they're yeah. technically showing us Minneapolis, but it's mostly like that big bridge and then like the interiors of random buildings. We don't really get a clear sense of where they are. But like, then it's just alleyways and patches of grass. Okay, for a while. Uh, <laughs> you're like what? Here's yeah, my hot take. Boring ass scenes. <laughs> you know what? You know what's a better portrait of Minneapolis? Purple rain. Yeah, but not not what I'm gonna say. Oh, oh, oh! Um, hold on, hold on! Jingle all the way. Yes, <laughs> that's in Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to get Jamie a Turbo Man doll. <laughs> Jamie, I'm your all American father. <laughs> Dad, you never come to my soccer games, so you gotta make no, it up to no, me no, for Christmas. It's my kar- it's my karate tournament. My karate tournament, Dad. Buy me a Turbo Man doll. Or you don't love me. Okay. Jamie, please. I'll get the Turbo Man. I hope Sinbad doesn't show up and throw a wrench in these gears. <laughs> I don't know what that voice was. I, a wrench I, I, in these gears. <laughs> I loved it. That was great. Man, that's I, a good movie. Dude, Watch. when Sinbad says nobody likes you, Booster, and punches him in the head, <laughs> I still laugh. Oh, in, I mean, Jingle All the Way, sleep. I've said this many times before, but it is just a dark R-rated movie that somehow they managed to, like, whittle down to a PG rating. Yeah. It, it, it like... The Wonderful. Ma- it is just... It is a truly dark movie. It is deeply <laughs> it really fucked is, up. Yeah. I mean, there, I, now we're just going on a tangent, but whatever. I want to talk about Jingle All the Way. There's the scene in Jingle All the Way where Arnold and Sinbad kind of, they have a little, like, detente. And they, like, sit uh-huh. down at a bar together. Yeah, right. They're, they're like a diner, right? They, they both, like, failed. Yeah. And Sinbad, and remember, he's a mailman. He is, like, the blue-collar guy. Right. right. Uh, he tried well, to well, deliver a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's another scene that I will mention. But, well, Arnold is, like, the pretty well-off, you know, guy. He's, like, all, like you know, upper-class guy. Right. And they're having this conversation. Probably lives in St. Paul. Yeah. Oh, no. And so, and, oh, Sin, yeah. and Sinbad tells a story about how when he was a kid, there's this toy that he really, really wanted, and his dad wouldn't get it for him. But his best friend, he also wanted it. And his friend got that toy, and ended up becoming a big success who made <laughs> lots of money, and he yeah. didn't get the toy, and he became a mailman. And Arnold is like, oh my god, my son can't turn out like you. He cannot I have, be a mailman. I have to get him that toy. And, and so that is like the... The like the scene where they state the theme. And yeah, the theme is basically a man. get you your kid like your kids will turn out poorly if you don't give them what they want. Which is it's 
Yeah. It's obviously like, and I feel like that no should. Toy mailman. It should yes, be leading into like hard satire there because that is, it, it, you know, that's like a, a lesson that the toy companies would want you to think. Sure. Yeah. But, and then there's the scene where a bunch of cops are like trying to like corner Sinbad because I don't know, he like broke in somewhere and he pulls out like a, a package from his mailbag and he's like, I got a bomb. It's a bomb in here. Like, let me. Yeah. And he like puts the bomb. They all think it's a bomb, and he escapes because of that. But he's just faking it. It's not really a bomb. Right. And then it turned out it is a bomb. Right. <laughs> and yep. it's disguised as a Christmas present. This is a kids' movie in which someone mm-hmm. actually mails a bomb disguised as a Christmas present, and it's played off as a joke. This is a dark, threatening world. This is a film noir. Yeah. Well, the, we it, don't know. Maybe the one I mean, of the executive producers on that was just somebody from Milton Bradley. I mean, we don't know where the financing came for Jingle All the Way. And, I mean. It, Honestly, like I, I feel Hasbro. like th- this should have been a, like alongside Bad Santa or something, but then they were just like, actually, this could make a bit more money if we just like cut the fucks and just made it a PG. Was it just off the heels of like Kindergarten Cop or something? And they were like, he he can do funny, but we still want it to be family oriented. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> was one of those actors too that, past a certain point in his career, like insisted on not doing dark characters anymore. Yeah, which is why the Terminator had to be good in T two versus the first one. He like made a decision at some point between those two films that he was only going to do that wasn't that that wasn't then because he was still in a bunch of R rated movies. I mean, True Lies is rated R, but he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. But he's thinking about his governorship. He's looking down the road. But he's still in a bunch of R rated movies, and uh, well, because I remember like I, but he was doing a bunch more family films because. There was Kindergarten Cop, and Jingle All the Way was 97, I believe, okay. because, lest we forget, his son in Jingle All the Way is Jake Lloyd, who would be Anakin Skywalker two years later. <gasps> That's right. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And, that, um, that, that role that everyone loved him in. <laughs> and and it didn't ruin his life. He had a really happy life after that, due yeah. to that movie. No, that, That's sad. that, that yeah, child that's actually sad. has a tragic life. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, Jingle All the Way gives a much better tour of Minneapolis, you were saying. Yes, I, and, I think uh, it's, it's, just, it's just more representative of the city. Like I yeah. felt like I got to know Minneapolis more in Jingle All the Way than I did in this movie, Ma- this sweet little indie movie made by Minneapolis locals. Because this, yes. this is what, yeah. Being stuck between them stations. Yeah, I get the stations of life. Yeah, or uh, Iraq, or war stations or whatever. Stationed in Iraq. Being, She's going to get her uh, station in uh, the, the English department, maybe. Mm-hmm. But she fucked it up. But I don't really, there, there's huge stretches of this movie that I have nothing to say about. Like well, there's yeah. like like the house party like I like well, you know what we should talk about because we're almost an hour in. All right, our boy Josh. Joshua yes. Daniel. Let's talk about Josh Daniel. because I, I perked up when he arrived. Obviously, because he is the you know titular subject of this podcast, <laughs> but also because he, he is a oh my God. you know. <laughs> A, a slight jolt of energy. Yeah. Even though his character is pretty one note. Yeah. It's like... Like, pretty, like, again, like... He's a leftist. Yeah, like, a, he's, like, Antifa or something. And he's, oh, he's a caricature. Yeah. He's, he's not just a real a person at all. Right, he's saying you're being, like, butt-fucked by Halliburton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, taking it in the ass by Halliburton. By Halliburton. I'm right. like, dude, come yeah. on. He's just like, what's up, fucking arm of the state oppression fucking Starbucks corporate bitch. But I like his his first line. So Josh, <laughs> like, in, gee, all right. Josh introduces the, is, is introduced into the movie yeah. peeing yeah, outside. Yeah, that so yeah, public urination. He looks he, cool. And then he shouts, oh, Casper yeah. the motherfucking ghost. Yeah, which, you know, <laughs> finally someone says the nickname I had already coined him with the whole, as I was watching it. Right. And uh, and Josh arrives and, you know, he's riding because he has a biker gang. Yeah, biker just, gang, I mean... Cyclist gang, right? Yeah. They're like the they're like the 
I mean, that's a real genre of human being, like a sort of um, hyper left, like almost like anarchist cycling right. thing. Like that's <laughs> I literally knew people like that in Bushwick, of yeah. course, who all lived in a big flop house, like that they giant loft thing that they rented, and they just all worked at a bike shop. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that apartment was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, don't doubt it. <laughs> Josh is basically one of those guys, and yeah. he is not into Casper's decision to join the army. Nope, and is not very supportive of that. And honestly, not a lot happens. They kind of, they all like, they kind of join they up. Clearly, had like a sort of friendly rivalry going on in high school. Casper right. and Patty, aka Josh Patty. Hartnett. Yeah, I Patty. guess. Like, and um, also so they rib each other, but it seems like a little friendly. Like maybe. Almost like they were on like the same sports team or something in high school. You yeah, know? like they both diverged at one point in yeah. that critical. Yeah, way. Josh Hartnett read uh, People's History of the United States <laughs> too early, and then veered did yeah. a hard. He's left. read Howard Zinn. Yeah, yeah he's like he's de- absolutely started turning into Timothy Chalamet's character yeah. in uh, Lady Bird. Oh, I just what do you what do? You do, or do what do you no Timothy Chalamet and Call Me by Your Name? Just what do you do during the summer? I just like to chill, go to the lake. Uh, transcribe music it's like okay <laughs> come on dude why are you so handsome and your all your uh, like well, no, free activities t- are awesome too because timothy chalamet's character in call me by your name is going to turn into like that incredibly cultured you know young man of like leisure academics oh yeah whereas in ladybird you know he just you can, right, you can have more like timothy you have chalamet an edge on you where you you aren't cultured but you are like just extremely well read and like Murray Bookchin and like you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. Kropotkin and stuff like that yeah you're right he's more like Ladybird Shall but yeah and so basically <laughs> Lady Shall they, they get on like a bicycle hey Timothée Timothée Chalamet Timothée can you please put me in Dune yes D- okay thank you for getting this back on topic okay <laughs> if you've listened to past episodes you will remember Timothy Chalamet apparently in talks to star in Denis Villeneuve's upcoming Dune adaptation and Matt Torpy, biggest Dune fan I've ever met. Can I be in also, it? also, and if you've seen the latest video, you'll you'll know that he is one of the world's best. Just people when it comes to acting, like getting hit you can or hurt dying. Me. And so we want Matt. He doesn't hurt need a speaking me, role. He? Just let Matt be an extra who dies in Dune. Hashtag Let Matt die in Dune. Guys, if anyone has any. Uh, connections to hashtag to hurt sh- me daddy Denis <laughs> <laughs> hurt me Denis if you have any connections to Chalamet or Villeneuve or anyone else involved in the production please put us in touch because we just we want to see Matt realize his dream of dying in Dune I'll be a Harkonnen he I'll be a Fremen I'll be an Atreides I he don't c- care he can get slashed by a Chris knife he can get swallowed up by the sands themselves mm, he can be a eaten by a sandworm he I, can even just get lasered, right? Just you were fried just by a laser, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Knifed in the background, just the regular knife. Yeah, just something. Anything. Come on! Just put him on screen and kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Put me in it. So, anyways, so remember, anyway, everyone uh, tweet hashtag let Matt die in Dune. And tweet it at Real Chalamet. Yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we please Denis do... Denis Villeneuve does not have a Twitter. I would love to... Yeah, can we coordinatedly... Friend, Cordially harass Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, be, yeah, in a friendly way. <laughs> be nice. Put this stranger in this movie Do that it. you are going to be in in two years. <laughs> All right, it'll be great. Glad and to get that so, off my chest. 
Yes. So Josh is the cycling anarchist. Yes. And uh, they go to this... The uh, one cool party. Punk, punk circus party. Yeah. yeah, that felt underground finally. Well, they're bit. riding bikes. He's like, you want to come to the circus? And I couldn't tell if that was a euphemism first. Yeah, to like them all doing crack or something. Yeah, like snorting glue <laughs> in an alleyway. But then they take he takes them to an actual circus-themed bar. Well, you know what else was annoying was that like... In that scene where they finally go to the party, the last remaining precious seconds where Josh is on screen and he's mm-hmm. drinking like wine out of like a fucking beaker or something, uh, it seems like they're almost about to like air their pasts with each other. Like they both look, give each other this like extended look that's like was like right. really emotionally loaded. Where he's like, "All right, I'll see you later, fucking fascist." Yeah, and the guy's like, "All right, I'll catch you later, you fucking loser." And then they both just look at each other, and and he's like, "You can come with if you want. I don't really care either way." And then he leaves, yeah. and then that's just the end of that. Yeah, and I guess that's supposed to be like show don't tell or something. But but Josh is it's just all out of the eyes. movie. But then Josh is gone now for the rest of the movie, and it really just keeps getting worse. And it bums us out because Josh is good in his role. Yeah, he's he's a real like jolt of energy to the yeah. movie. Yeah, and good, good on you, Josh. Like you're a good friend. Like I, 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 I respect your decision to be in this thing. I once you, again you, helping out small productions. You know your your dedication. Yeah, to uh, really marginal directors, to, to to loyally working with directors, and to helping people in your uh, circle of friends and family is admirable. And I'm sad to see you go. Uh, and I think Josh is perfectly fine. Yeah, and, I you know. I okay. Can, He's best serviceable. Thing, for best thing I can say for Josh, I would rather watch a movie about his character. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And look, or J- Casper in War. That's true. Oh, I was hoping for a psychotic break with him. That was the yeah. other thing that I was hoping. Well, actually, we're getting up to what is easily my favorite part of the movie. Oh, what's that? It's the heist scene. Just because I have a massive weakness for any heist scene. Anytime someone breaks into a place to steal a thing, I immediately get more interested. I I know, but wasn't that scene so lame? It was so lame. I mean, it's less... um, Once again, it's also a testament to how psychotic Sam Rosen's character is. He should be, but something is happening. Right. There is a character... It is like the only point in a movie where there is a clear goal and stakes. That's true. And, uh... And something, and, and it's not them just sitting there ta- saying dumb dialogue about nothing. Yeah. Something is happening, Absolutely and I was nothing. more engaged. That's true. Okay, in that you're scene. Right. And uh, I'm not saying it's a good scene, but I think it's more entertaining than most of the scenes. My energy yeah. did perk ever so slightly at when the scene was being initiated. Yeah, and, and they it, start pumping in that like light rock music instead of the typical like. Well, I love yeah. Music that they have real quick the aside on the fucking music, dude. I like who did did anyone famous like some local Minneapolis band do the music or whatever? That the, would be the only way that I would appreciate it more. The choice, of, I mean, it, yeah, it would be in keeping with like what seems to be the ethos of the production anyway. But like, were was the the, the choice to have ambient, extremely moody dark kind of music playing the entire time, making everything have this creepy, almost funereal vibe. Like, Actually, you know what the music the reminded sail, me of? It took the wind out of the sails of any scene, whatever wind there was, it like even dampened it even more. It reminded me of the music that gets pumped into almost every other scene in Wicker Park, 
when like oh, Josh weird... and, or uh, you know Rose yeah. Byrne have like a flashback moment, and then there was just that music that started going. Like kind of Sigarosi, yeah. but not I'm, I'm looking up now who did the music. But even that was punchier than this stuff. Yeah, it was just like, it's just like these moody tones and like it's very like I don't know how to describe it ominous sounding almost. Then yeah. they're just like and but it's just like them walking, shooting the shit about nothing, and and essentially the the writer desperately trying to create a feature length screenplay yeah. <laughs> while like having you connect on some level with these two people and like agree that they should like each other and you yeah. should like them. And to make one thing clear, this is an 85 minute movie. Oh, it's so short. It is very short. Okay. And as far as the music goes, the composer, uh, who is Grant Cutler, um, has not done a lot. He has composed three things ever. Uh, and this is one of them. And the other ones is there's a movie from 2017 called The Missing Son that seems like a small indie movie. Okay. And, um, and then he composed uh, Tangent Realms, The Worlds of C.M. Coastman. Okay, which was a Tangent doc- Realms. A documentary that is completed that is apparently coming out this year that seems pretty small. Basically, this composer has not done anything else that we have ever heard. The music okay. was not... Bad. Bad. It was just... It was pumped in unnecessarily. It was a strange... It just... It was a strange type of music, and it was uh, used a lot, and it was overlaid on uh, scenes where it just did... It was really, like, just killing it even more. Yeah. So, anyways, that music... Okay, so but I the heist... I want to talk about the heist. Yeah, the heist. no, we're getting back to the heist. They, they tried cut that, and they put in the soft rock during the heist scene. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's this running thing through the movie where Becky... Uh, so she's had this affair with this with her like professor or whatever, and she needs to get her laptop back. Like from this could have been cleaner. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wants to get her laptop back, which is apparently like in his office. But then, and she oh he also enters the the movie earlier. Well, uh, she says computer a bunch at first, so I'm like, his like, wife stole a fucking desktop out of there. Like <laughs> yeah. I just saw her lugging like a modem and like a screen a monitor back to the house. Right. So it, it, I. That's what I saw in my head for the longest time. Yeah. And then right. I was like, because her dissertation's on it? Is that what she needs on there? Yeah. So, but she keeps wanting to get her computer back, and he's like, I can't find her. And he's like, they'll like talk on the phone, and he'll be like, I can't find it. And she's like, I know you, you have it. Right. He and, was lying. Right. He was, but it also seems, that to me was a little odd that she just keeps being, she just, despite him saying that it's not there, she's so convinced that, that yeah. it is there and he's, he's lying about it. And then he, and he also shows up and, uh, and there's, they start to, they just try to talk and they don't really get along. But, and Michael Imperioli's there and, uh, yeah, he's, 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 he's a professor type. He's got a turtleneck on. And he, he goes from zero to a hundred again. Also really quickly, just showing Becky's horrible choice of anyone, just violent dudes. He's like, Come on, you're being crazy. You're being fucking crazy. <laughs> like, he's just yeah. like, he oh, turns it around. But don't worry, violent we, men. we find out what messed her up in the past. But, yes. but then, anyway, they're like, they're, oh, yes, they're by yeah. hit Michael Imperioli's house. Yeah. And uh, I think she points out, like, oh, that's his house. Yeah. And then Casper is like, hey, let's get your computer back. Yeah, grinning still, yeah. might I add. And uh, again, and this, this could have been more of a character thing uh, where it's like, he's, takes this crazy risk and he just he's like you wait out here and i'll go in and yeah. then he sneaks into the house sneaks like around the kitchen island where uh michael imperioli and his wife are having an argument yep. goes upstairs Breaking um in. like he's yep. looking around anyway finds 
this was one thing that I liked it just because I was thinking like, how does he like? They might have laptops there. Like, how does he know which one it is? Mm-hmm. And then he gets into an office and there's two laptops. And oh, I kind of right. wanted him to just take them both, Whoa. but but then he like he takes them both and he goes to the window and looks at her and is like, which one? She's like, it's the MacBook Pro. <laughs> and then he like tosses it down to her, and then anyway he like runs out. And it okay, I'm gonna this will be a we- semi weird tangent, but it's connected. Okay, <laughs> another movie that has a pretty randomly placed heist sequence that is also computer related. Okay. Is the Nancy Myers movie oh, no. The Intern. Okay. The one with Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I think is actually pretty fun. And I'm not a Nancy Myers fan. Okay. But uh, it is likable. And uh, De Niro is awake for a change. <laughs> but there's a scene where... But there's suddenly this heist scene in the middle of this movie that is kind of, like, kind of a romantic comedy where people have to break into a house to delete an email. And the movie just turns into like this very like focused heist movie with like like planning and and like you know just with all the classic heist tropes right. and um but they also really take advantage of that opportunity and like really go for it and that scene is a lot of fun uh and this does not do as much with it this could have gone especially cuz with when you've got someone sneaking around inside a house you've got so much you can play with in terms of like Avoiding being seen, being heard, or make, yeah. making a sound, yep. and the people in the house—you they could have done a lot. Just mo- the island. I think it's just that. I think I think the movie wanted to have a scene that felt like a break from the dialogue, but at the same time, they were still trying to be true to the like mumblecore aspect that they wanted to keep to right. it. They, and then they so couldn't that have radically them. They didn't want to do anything so wild. Yeah. Where like everybody's laughing and whispering. So the inclusion here is, guys, don't watch Stuck Between Stations. Watch The Intern. The uh, Nancy Myers movie, because uh, it's better. Oh, yeah. It's well, better than this. Here's what confused me was the conclusion of that scene, which fizzled out from what could have yes, been the promise. Yes, no, that's what I wanted to really talk about. Oh, you keep, want no, to no, do no, it? No, no, keep going, because I'm just glad we're on the same page, because this threw me. Well, I hope we are on the same page. She gets the computer back, yeah. and then, because they've been having such a great time, I guess, for way too long in the movie, she just... It seems like just in a complete 180, just starts yelling at him about how she's he's like fucking ir- with irresponsible her. and fucking with her life and yeah. how like that was breaking an entry and, and blah blah blah, and so then like and, and he, that just took me by surprise because I thought they were both like conspiratorially like let's do it let's yeah, yeah. let's and get then, the computer out of the house and then that right. happens she I mean she was like nervous she yeah, she was like, like oh, oh, right. oh yeah maybe we should get it <laughs> yeah and then I, she's like what the hell dude right I mean it, they they like, clearly they wanted there they're like oh this is like the midpoint change or like the end of the second act change right where they don't suddenly, like each other for a second right and I uh, <laughs> and it's like a literal second that they don't like each other a yeah. cop car drives and, by and she goes oh I bet that's for us cue raucous laughter and they make up by walking towards each other in this another weird scene where i'm like is one of them gonna like bite the other's lips off with or something (laughs) but i mean they could have accomplished that francis dollarhide style (laughs) (laughs) i mean i i do understand that they wanted some sort of conflict to arise and you could definitely get that conflict out of this situation and you know what would have made that happen much easier if something actually bad had happened in the heist scene. Like, if, if I, Michael Imperioli had seen her. Like, had actually, <laughs> like if she actually, if, if there would be consequences from it, 
then, and yeah, you could see why she would be pissed at him. Yeah. And suddenly a conflict would arise. But the way it actually went is he just helped her out and everything went fine and she got her computer back. And problem was just solved. mad for a weird, quick moment. For a split second. Understandably mad, too, because she's worried that she's now going to get breaking and entering Understandably charges. Understandably mad if she hadn't undermined her previous thefted property. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know, I know what you're saying. Like, it's understandably mad, but still in a weird, strange world where she is behaving if she had, oddly yeah, under the circumstances. Which is just like, a again, it's just behavior... Written poorly, not written because, like, again, I'm so aware of the fact that you released this video about, like, <laughs> I know. plot holes and stuff. And by, like, by the way, uh, if, if you're listening to this, maybe yesterday you saw the video that we released called Shut Up About Plot Holes. Yeah. Uh, also, oh, by the way, I think that, that's that just before we started recording, we've just reached the point where now people are starting to yell at me. Nice. And so I've, I've actually been getting, like, lengthy responses from, like, like, like people better known than me on the internet who oh, are nice, angry. Dude. That's great. So I'm. That's promising. It's honestly. pissing people off. Yeah. You want beef, dude? That you want that internet beef? Yeah. 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 You're gonna box Logan Paul as, or Jake Paul or whatever. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, was, I was. You can wear the Hulk fist that you like, have in the video. Yeah. When I heard that Logan Paul was gonna do that like MMA fight or whatever, I was like. Look, this is stupid and I hate all of it, but please just let him lose. Just let that piece of shit get the shit beaten out of him <laughs> uh-huh. publicly. Did he win? It was a draw. It was a draw. Yeah, it was and a... then Jake Paul won like his like fight or his boxing fight. Oh, yeah. uh, they're monsters and I just want to see them get hurt. Yeah, yeah. I'll fight Logan Paul. Hashtag <laughs> let Matt fight Logan Paul. <laughs> Matt, you don't Get know what you say. Just ruined. I know that's <laughs> the beef we need to start. Those two brothers look actually kind of terrifying and psychotic. Nah, I'll do it. I'll train. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah, go, guys, give us. We'll that, do a behind the scenes vlog about it. It'll be great. Give us that Patreon money huge. so we can hire a trainer for Matt. Yeah, give me a year. I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna look crazy. <laughs> let's set a, let's set a goal. If we hit a certain amount, Matt has to fight both Paul brothers. All right, uh, what is it? How I'm do at, we get that? Wait. But how do we get them to agree to the fight? Or does Matt just, like, rush at them in just public? Just call them, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, public rush. Just call them pussies or something. Yeah, I They're feel like very, it's easy like, hair get... trigger. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Seems like it'd be easy to get them to get, you know, right. What I'm at one. I'm at 165 now. I'll be 200 pounds. <laughs> uh, cut. And I get, will Start buying some of those in-bulk chicken breasts yeah, at the just, grocery store. Just steamed chicken breasts running on soft sand five miles protein away. Protein load and eat. Remember to wake <laughs> protein up. Load. Protein load. <laughs> and remember to wake up load. at 4 a.m. sharp yeah. for that for that middle-of-the-night chicken beast down. Oh, gosh, I like yes. the idea that this is all training for something that is not even, like, set in stone. It's like they ha- no one has agreed to it. Matt's just like, it'll happen. Hashtag it'll September happen. 30th. Be um, the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. Did um, Gandhi teach you nothing? <laughs> okay, that anyway, this has been another <laughs> another tangent. So, yeah. so they get the pewter, they're in a fight, then they're not. Then uh, then they, we get to the scene. They, we, we yeah, get they to go the, we're at the scene. Well, they go finally to Sam Rosen's house. And you can call him Casper. Casper's house. <laughs> I know. And, uh, and we're like, finally, they're going to kiss on the lips. Kiss. <laughs> now, now, mind you, the movie set us up with a quick snippet of a scene right at the beginning where it is Casper and Becky in Mediores uh, sitting oh, in the tent God together. damn it. And they're in a tent. It's lit romantically and it looks like they are about to smooch and maybe do other things. And you're like, okay, great. A romance is budding and we'll see where this develops and we'll probably just, you know, 
360 back to that point, and then we'll get to see them consummate everything, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> you say and the so, most antiseptic terrorist possible, and they will... And perform coitus. And they will uh, uh, consummate their relationship <laughs> that's developed over the course of the film. So they get back to the backyard, and that's where he's sleeping in a tent outside of the house. You know it's his father's house. Yet another um, red flag. Yeah. <laughs> For like, any normal woman who has the past she has, which we're about to explain. Yeah, she's like, can I go in? Just grab a beer. You got any drinks? He's like, oh, no, we don't go in the house. <laughs> Oh, we don't go in the house. Uh, it's that's Daddy's house. <laughs> Daddy, he's dead. Yeah. But I've never been in it. <laughs> I live here. And she just kind of like smirks it off and just goes in the house and is like, "Okay, I she guess you can chill." And I sit get her outside. character is supposed to kind of be like the hot girl from high school who could still right. like hang. Yeah, and that was like right. That that's kind of like I guess her vibe. So she goes in the house and cracks open a fresh brewski. And then wanders around this empty house that he's standing outside of because he's too fearful to go in himself. And he just kind of peruses for being a hippie. A, a, for being a hippie. <laughs> but we'll get into that too. His beef with his dad is so stupid. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, she wanders around the house and sort of peruses through each room and digs through some of the paraphernalia, the memorabilia. <laughs> The other alias, <laughs> the other types of alias that are in houses he is alias. of this of this sort, and uh, she eventually finds some childhood photos of Casper that are adorable, and I don't know what he's doing, just like kid stuff, and she's just, I, I, I guess, coming to the realization of just oh, more nuanced perspectives yeah, of this man this who many I've seen. pixels more clear definition yeah, yeah who's told me about some of his time in uh afghanistan and all of this stuff so also when is this movie set is it set in 2011 so this movie was filmed in 2009 so okay maybe it was set it just, in 2009 it also it just seems like a movie that's set in like 2003 or so yeah, it, it, does. Does. it seems right. like at the height of like the you know, like every like everything in the middle, like Afghanistan and Iraq yeah. and stuff like that. Well, no, this, 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 no, this definitely feels more like um, what it is. <laughs> that was a dumb sentence, but I'm just saying, like, this like we were more like we were more is. settled in, yeah. I guess even than like you know the two years out of the war that we would have been, right? Like, right. You know, because in order you, you gotta you gotta like um, process these things and ingest them artistically, I suppose, and. I don't like this movie, but like, you know, what, actually, when did the that uh, that Nick Cage nine eleven movie come out? Oh, oh the World, the Trade, World Trade Center, World Trade Center. the Oliver Stone one. I think like two thousand five. I think I was gonna say two thousand six. I don't know why I keep trying to like. Play yeah, what are you doing, James? I'm sure it's two thousand six. If you, you look it up, every you could draw. be right. Ooh, I might be right. Ooh, hold on. Who's taking Wait. bets? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. And um, I'm right. <laughs> 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 I'm not just saying that. You it's just, like Jake, you can. No, you're right. It's 2006. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Yeah. So that was a pretty quick turnaround. That's fine. Um, but, but it definitely feels like uh, before sunrise. It's like Iraq War before sunrise. It's like before sunrise, but he's last he's flag flying. What? But he's in Afghanistan. Yeah. Oh yeah, but he's so, in Afghanistan. I already forgot. It's all the same war, right? That whole area. <laughs> yeah. The Levant. I don't even know. She but, comes back out with a beer yeah, and okay. is like. Can we keep crawling towards this, Let's this scene? Yeah. We gotta. So also, wait, can I just say also this is we do get the one scene that is sort of like the first initial like him unloading where he describes his relationship with his father, which is important because he won't go in the dumb house that he right. was 
given by his dad. Mm-hmm. And it all I could glean from that, from from whatever his principled refusal to enter the home of his hated father was, was that his dad didn't like that he was going to join the army. Right. Because he was like a he, sort of pacifist hippie who photographer. Yeah, he was kind of what Patty's character was as a young man if he had grown up, you know? Which is pacifist. Which then makes me think, like, that's maybe why they were friends, is that they probably had, like, arty professor fathers or, like, parents in the art community or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's Minneapolis. It's a liberal place. Uh, Yeah, that's true. And so that's it. Like, I was just expecting so much more. It's like this dad that just kind of disapproved of the decision to go into the army, which... Sounds like a kind a, of a typical family dynamic a normal, with a like, lot of that yeah, big like, decision. Right. It's not like this was this like like really intense, like emotionally fraught relationship that and, lasted yeah, years. Like, and the, he literally cannot step into the house for that reason. Right. right. Like it's this emotionally charged like scene of trauma. Now and, and again, also I think that maybe could have worked better if this were if this took place over more time and was not all compressed into one night. Right. right yeah. And so we see, but they love yeah. before sunrise. So oh, much. do they? And so we see basically why now he has this sort of odd distance from being able to step into the house. And Zoe Lister Jones goes in and is now coming back out to talk to him about this. And here we are building up to the climactic scene of the movie. Cause we're getting closer to the scene we saw at the beginning where they're we sitting revealed- in the tent romantically it's the double trauma scene yes. where we get the double trauma, trauma scene from oh Zoe Lister Jones's character, and we get a little bit more insight into Sam Rosen's history abroad when he tries when, to one up trauma her. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do hers <laughs> yeah. first because that was the douchiest part of this movie is that he literally just goes, "Oh, you thought that was bad," and so we can talk a little bit about Zoe Lister Jones, who um, I think is just trying to. I forget what prompts her to bring up her. He's talking about his dad. Horror. He's talking about his dad, and then how no, does no, no, that no. connect though, you know to what, he's what talking she about? then brings up? He's sort of like like who she was in high school. Yeah, because he's he is yeah. he is an unlikable guy. I right. don't like Sam or Sam Rosen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't like Casper. <laughs> he's not smooth. There's no reason this clearly like he's no Ethan Hawke. Uh-uh. Oh God, no! Charming, raspy voiced Ethan Hawke. But so he's like he basically just says something like after complaining about his dad. Which, in a way, that didn't endear me to him either. Yeah. Where he's like, so you were like, you were like so hot in high <laughs> right. school. It must have sucked to have everyone wanting to jump your bones. And he says, That's jump your says. bones, which Ugh. sucks. It's already and a so, shitty turn and then, of phrase. <laughs> so he says that. And then she, in what is almost kind of like an understandable, like maybe trying to put him in his place or like give some perspective to what that actually means in like the lived world. Yeah. Tells this story. Where she went backpacking in South America with a friend. They hitched a ride to a, a neighboring town because there was no transit. And we all know the rule. Cash, grass, or ass. <laughs> no rides free. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so anyway, they pull over to the side of the road before they get there. The guy, the, There's two guys. And she's there with her, her, her friend, friend Megan or Marie or something. Yeah. Right. Uh, just a friend. And then they, they have a knife and they're like, time to pay for your ride. And obviously, and they, but they want her friend. Right. And, and so they start like aggressing towards the friend. But then Becky is describing how she saw in that moment, her friend would have been permanently traumatized 
And so she somehow she, recognizes that her friend would be more traumatized. Than like herself. she can handle that sort of trauma yeah. more adeptly than her friend could. And, and the implication being yeah. that she had been pawed at and potentially like assaulted by so many guys previously, that which she is what, built up that she armor. had built up like a more of a capability to emotionally retreat from the experience in it's a way insane. that her friend hadn't. And so then she just goes and gets, well, she offers, she, she stops she's them like, and guys, says, I'll do it. Leave her alone. You can both fuck me in the woods basically. Right. And she, right. Yeah. And, and that's so, what happens. And that's and what so happens. She gets raped by two guys in the woods and then they get to go to the town. Crazy. So that is yep. a dramatic reveal at the end of a cutesy, before sunrise, but like a little bit more quirky, what, like romantic comedy kind Other, of. I had one more question about yeah. that also. Right. That friend, what do you think the relationship <laughs> is now? Because was it worth it? She's like, uh, she turned out to be kind of like a bummer. <laughs> like, I'm very super about annoying that. now. Like, what yeah, the, she what just that, goes to brunch all the time and like sucks. Kind what this of. reminded me of is, uh, you know the scene in Gremlins where... <laughs> No, stay with me. Okay. Stay with me. The scene, in, <laughs> the scene in Gremlins where Phoebe Cates tells the story about when her father dressed as Santa Claus and died and, and, and got st- tried oh, to go to the chimney oh, yeah. and got stuck in the chimney and died. Yeah. yeah. And that's why that she is eats Christmas. Truly and awful. that is this super dark, like, like story. I mean, the story that like makes the whole movie much darker and is a big tonal shift from what came before. Right. And, but it also works because that movie just has like, it's, it puts it up like early on in the movie to like, kind of keep you on your toes. So Mm -hmm. you're like, whoa, okay. This movie can like get into like, uh, like surprisingly dark territory. The Gremlins might say the F word twice. Yeah. Gremlins, Gremlins was scary. Also, and I don't know if you know about the original script for Gremlins, which hilariously was written by Chris Columbus, who went on to direct, the Home Alone movies and Mrs. Doubtfire and the first two Harry Potter movies. Mm -hmm. But the original, there's a scene, the original gremlin script where the, uh, the main character played by Zach Gilligan, uh, sorry, Zach Galligan arrives home and the gremlin at the top of the stairs throws his mother's severed head down at him. Oh my God. That, yeah. Gremlins was going to be an R rated movie and it's not, but anyway, but I bring it up because there's that moment where one of the main characters tells this story about her past that is like, shockingly dark that yeah. like it come, kind of comes out of nowhere but there it's wielded for a very specific reason to have like a very specific effect on the tone and the audience right. and here I think it is not wielded with the same kind of grace that Joe Dante has <laughs> and instead of, all of a sudden we go from the grace bore- of Joe Dante which is again crazy <laughs> to say but you know but in, in this context it makes it correct, logical sense yeah. look I love Joe Dante anyone, yeah anyone who's seen Gremlins too knows that Joe Dante knows what he's doing. He's a graceful man. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, he, he put the Hulkster in a movie. And look, that's right. You know, Becky... One of, those, one of the gremlins was a salad. <laughs> Becky essentially sacrifices herself for her friend in that moment in Peru. It, it's, that's what the, the, the analog is supposed to be that they both... Well, no. No, no, no. No, his, his is like, I saw my friend... He's no, jealous no, 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 of but, her act because he had sort of the opposite experience where he was not able to make a choice that would relieve him of guilt at what he saw. Whereas yeah. she chose the lesser of two evils in her mind. Yeah. Or something like and that. And that, right. that is the, that is the intent of that like scene. It's like a good scene, though. I feel like I'm talking it's, like it's a good it's, scene. It's not good. It's yeah. the intent of the scene, but it comes off more as just saying, like, oh, you thought your trauma was bad. 
let me tell you a little something yeah, that Cassie also happened like, to me. He t- tells a you know, I was in the traumatic war. war zone story. No, but he literally, she like finishes that and there's like this pause where she's like, and uh, we came back and we got to town and I knew I couldn't live with myself if I let my friends see that and I knew I could live with that. Yeah. And they sat there and then he's like, I saw my friend get blown up. (laughs) (laughs) That is what happened. Literally not even a moment to ask her follow-up questions about how she's feeling. Yeah, no no further questions. Just just like commiserate and how terrible that situation was. That's crazy. I saw my friend get blown up though as well. So it's like we're the same. (laughs) It's it's like apples and origins, dog. Like, come on. Yeah, Um, I I just... So so this is not the movie to like... Do that? Yeah. No, 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 but no. They, definitely that, but not. But this is where they, yeah, it's it's they they backloaded it because they they clearly panicked and wanted to have a profound ending that was a commentary on like a profound ending in their little eighty-five minute slice of life mumblecore movie. You yeah. know, and again, normally I am at least slightly respectful of like swinging for the fences, kind of like going hard in the paint stuff, where taking like, risks, but. This wasn't. Mm-mm. This was felt like a desperate flail at uh, uh, a, a, a creating some sort of meaning to have you feel like you watched something of substance. Yeah. That was also like a ham-fisted commentary on like how we're all just people, man. Dude, I mean, he tells his follow-up trauma story about how he saw his friend Gino explode. Right. And then watching, you know, his remains get scraped off of the streets. Right, like gore showering down in a mist. And then the big, profound, like, shared lesson that they both say (laughs) is, like, everybody just, like, wants to be something, you know? (laughs) That (laughs) had me screaming at the screen. Me and Matt were laughing so hard at the end because, honestly, it was like I Come With The Rain. We were so pummeled down by just the sheer despair of the two stories that these people had to tell and just how weird... And then their and big takeaway was just everybody like kind of wants to like be, you know, something, something. We're all just trying to be like people, something like we're all just people. <laughs> and I'm like, you can't do that. Yeah. That sucks. No, sir. Yeah. You're not allowed to do that. And then she's just like, they yeah. don't smash. <laughs> well, they go into the tent. <laughs> now she's, now like, she's like, let's me. just chill in the tent for a little bit. <laughs> so if, then they go in the tent. If only the tent were inside, like the Royal Tender Bombs. Yeah. And uh, and then they're in the tent, and then we go, boom, 360, back to the beginning of the movie. Which, by the way, the dialogue they're saying there is some other, like, Let's do other, another tonight. indie movie bullshit I'm thing. I'm in love with Where you he goes, what if, he goes to her, he goes, what if just this Bro, moment, we know this moment right now. be tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, I wish that happened. Yeah. <laughs> the smashing. <laughs> but, uh, just the hardest fucking you've ever seen. Just like. <laughs> there is, <laughs> I'm going to shoot. <laughs> I was imagining that song just coming in. Seeing guns in his flashbacks. Just like PTSD flashbacks. And just coming. <laughs> Ryuichi Sakamoto plays in the background. <laughs> It still sounds better. <laughs> it does. Well, I mean, that that ending rocks, and we did rewrite it and make it good. <laughs> and we're gonna call the movie Babel. That's why the um, Torpy Brothers are gonna be the next Cohen Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> we write a movie called Babel. It's just it's called Babel, but it's spelled B A B B L E because they said nothing <laughs> the whole movie. So, um, in the tent, I can't. He, okay, I can't yeah. remember what happens after this. They're done. No, they're in that's the tent, it. and he says basically a indie speech that's similar to. Like every other indie movie that's been out there, where he just goes, "What if this moment is all we have?" 
And, she, and then she goes, you know what? Call me when you get back from Afghanistan. And she gets out of the tent and leaves. And they yeah. sort of oh, smile yeah, knowing lady. I'm not sure we mentioned this. Yeah. He's going to go right. back to Afghanistan the yes. next day. Right. And he clearly was like, I'm going tomorrow. So. And then, guys, the big emotional payoff of the movie, she gets up. They've had a connection, but they didn't need to kiss or have physical contact right. about it. Because that's crass. That's crass and it's fresh. And that's not what this movie is about. And it's blue humor and it's... <laughs> and it's and it's gross, and it, no, sir, no yeah, thanks. It's None not for me, Christian. please. So she gets up and leaves the tent, goes home, and he smiles knowingly to himself, and he gets out of the tent, and he walks into his dad's house. Wow. Fade to black. His dad, who was just <sighs> like, please don't Roll go to war. Credits. <laughs> Roll motherfucking credits. With arms wide open. To my My father. sacrifice. My <laughs> sacrifice <laughs> for my best friend in the car. Because when you're with me... I'm free. You bet. Come on. You I'm can careless. I believe. Up on, on the other hill with light, <laughs> which brings tears <laughs> to my eyes. My sacrifice. <laughs> I actually don't know all those words. Let's, I'm done talking. <laughs> I never owned a Creed album. I and we, cool and then guys. we became unstuck. You think you're better than us? Between the no, stations. I, I said I, I was not that cool. Yeah, so I saw the movie. I had a huge sort of orgasmic catharsis <laughs> where I suddenly understood that we're all just people on this crazy spinning marble we call Earth. And yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't have any problems anymore. I yeah, don't want to kill myself. And uh, I didn't have it. <laughs> dude, nice. <laughs> yeah, nice, dude. I, I didn't drink profusely over the weekend and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I still just, I, I keep thinking right now just about how ways you could take elements of this movie but make it work. And I'm just thinking like, okay, maybe, again, not set all over uh, one night. What if, don't uh, cast like, Sam Rosen. <laughs> don't cast Sam Rosen. Cast yeah. Josh as Sam Rosen's character. Yeah. And um but and have him just like he's not just back and then like going back to the war the next day. He's just he's moved back and uh, and he's just like living in his dad's old house. And yeah. then they should run into each other at a party sure. that one of their old high school acquaintances has thrown because and he's been dragged along because he's back in town. But has just been sitting in this house like a weirdo all this time. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and his friend's like, you should like talk to people, like come to this party. And that's where the story gets moving. And mm-hmm. then it takes place over maybe just like weeks. And yeah, yeah, with have, like, these two damaged leave, people. Like, like two weeks on leave or something. Yeah. Are maybe he, like Garden State, you know? Yeah, I mean, like uh, that, I haven't seen that movie since high school. Make it like 500 Days of Summer. Give them 500 Days. And yeah, make it like Elizabeth Town. (laughs) Go to Elizabeth Town. (laughs) What are other movies that are like that? That those ones. Keep this going. Make it like when Harry met Sally. Have it take place over like a decade. Call them Harry and Sally. (laughs) Yeah. Have them meet. Made them go to Katz's Deli. (laughs) Have them go. Make it be like. The four, five year engagement. Make it like before sunrise. They should be engaged. Yeah. Make it yeah. like before sunset. Make it like you've got mail. They should get more mail. <laughs> mm. Look, these are we already just off the top of our domes. Thought of all these crazy, of all these crazy original good. ideas. <laughs> <laughs> good original suggestions for how to make this script fresh. Make it like Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> Smash his dick with a giant cinder block. Yeah. Well, have her cut her clit off with a pair of garden <laughs> shears. 
The thing Fox say chaos reigns. The the thing that I kept thinking of, like as we're I getting mean, that's into what like the war is really when we got into the trauma part, like with them talking about their traumas, I was just like, oh wait, this is just sounding like Manchester by the Sea now. Yeah, and uh, and it sounds like it kind of wants to be that, and it's mm-hmm. like you can't be Manchester by the Sea and before sunrise. <laughs> you can't have both. Screenwriting one hundred and one. Yeah, you can't first thing any that. professor will tell you. They've tried to <laughs> do it a million the times. My students it's never been done. And then maybe that was it. Maybe Sam Rosen was like, I can do them both. Yeah, I don't even, even know what this other movie is. But he I'm flew gonna... so close to the sun with wings made of wax. <laughs> so, guys, okay. any other thoughts on Stuck Between Stations? No, don't watch it. How much longer must we be stuck in the station? Well, let's unstuck ourselves. Yeah, please. Which, which way, Western man? So, um, I, I don't have a heart on, uh, but a very, very mild one. Just <laughs> respect for Josh. When yeah, it comes to helping, helping his friends out and uh, doing this little movie that, honestly, he's better than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is yeah. one of those movies where I also don't have a heart on, but I would be... Uh, it would be one of those things where, like, because of Josh, I would, like, apologize before I said I was too tired and then I went to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, any, any profound final thoughts? Oh, no. You know what? I, look, I came up with... The, the, the main message of that dialogue then we all just want to be something it's one of those things where it's so all-encompassing everybody wants to be something that it renders it so unprofound it's it's almost well, we were saying it's like saying we were saying it's like the movie equivalent of, of all lives matter as a yeah. slogan you know it's, it's like it's just like well it's yeah. so universally acceptable of a, like there's no one that can disagree with that statement because it almost doesn't mean anything right and you've neutralized any sort of efficacy to change it's like there's a million indie movies like that out there where there's the one scene in the movie where you have a sort of listless and privileged protagonist drifting around and then they always have to say a fucking line in the movie and it the the line always starts with the word sometimes and they go sometimes life just moves in all kinds of wild movements and you're like, that's, I guess, the theme of the movie. Great indie movie, thank you. And it's that sort of, like, vibe to certain indie movies that can veer me towards complete hatred of the movie. Yeah. Which is what happened I mean, I'm here. certainly also, I'm so, I, I came of film watching age sort yeah. of at the peak of, like, the indie movie aesthetic and plot line. Yeah. So that I, in particular, and I'm sure tons of people do as well, but especially I feel like people around our age, like, have such a taste aversion to it at this point to like yeah. in quotes indie movie yes yeah the whatever yeah. how it that what that meant in the early aughts i will say so last little things i want to say about this yeah. i think the movie's biggest crime is that josh does not get the and in the billing it should be the cast and josh hartnett yeah mm. this is such an and he's the biggest star in the movie he has a memorable it plays maybe the most memorable character he shows up for two scenes that is the kind of role that gets the and. Yep. And he's not that. You've been cheated out of it, John. He, he's fourth build, and there's one person build after him, and that's the yeah. cast. And it's like, why? I, I was watching the credits being like, this has got to be and Josh Hart. Yeah. Come on. If he's not the first two, he's got to be that. It'd be funny if it, he got and introducing for some reason. I mean, Joshua. The, the, best, the best credit yeah. in recent film history is uh, Logan Lucky having and introducing Daniel Craig as Joe Bang. Oh yeah, 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 that's the best one. But so yeah, but silly. Josh should have gotten the end in this, and mm-hmm. I think that is a crime. Also, we didn't didn't really point out that Josh, ha- uh, Josh has some neck tats. 
Yeah, he looks cool in this movie. He has a cooler mustache and neck tattoos. Wears a cool hat. Yeah, like a, just a cool guy in general. Josh, yeah. come on the podcast. We want to ask you a lot of questions. We, we, maybe we'd ask one question about this. We wouldn't spend a lot of time talking mm. about Stuck Between Stations. No. Right, guys? No. Yeah. Honestly, it would probably just have more to do with what your thoughts are on your hometown yeah. than yeah. the movie. Tell us about Minneapolis. But yeah. that we'll save for when Josh is on the podcast. Uh, guys, should we wrap this thing up? Should we yeah. close it out? Let's do okay, it. Okay, so uh, if you to want to reach me. us, you should uh, send, tweet at us. Heart Hartnet on twitter.com. Send us emails, hearthartnet at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at wehearthartnet. Watch the videos we make at youtube.com slash Patrick H. Willems. And follow me on all the social medias at Patrick H. Willems. Good job. And also follow me on Twitter at, uh, at jtorp. No, no. You're J.R. Torpy. J.R. Torpy. God damn it. Wow. This is probably why nobody <laughs> likes me online. <laughs> uh, you can find me at... Uh, matt.sucks on Instagram and at Matthew Torpy on Twitter. I am debating phasing those two things out of my life. <gasps> That's a mistake. Okay. Uh, you don't... Tune in for next week's episode. Find out we, what happens When we have an intervention time. with Matt. <laughs> yeah, next week we're talking about The Lovers, which you can watch on Netflix. So, yeah, so free. watch along with us. So for once, you know what we're talking about. That's all. Good night. We'll be back next week. Bye.